November, we set aside for Convoy of Hope and One Day to Feed the World. And uh, basically, uh, uh, we are taking one day out of November that you would normally go and work toward a bill or a cup of coffee with friends or some trip. And we're saying, today I'm working to feed someone. So I'm doing one day to change somebody's every day. In fact, last year, um, as a group, we gave over $10,000 to Convoy of Hope. And uh, we want to make sure that you understand how significant that is and how much is, uh, they are actually doing. So we've got these little, uh, little, little booklets for you to help you understand all the different initiatives that Convoy of Hope is involved in. You, I didn't want you reading this during my sermon. Um, it just tells you how uh, incredibly riveting I know my sermons are. But they're available after the service on the way back. But another thing that's uh, already happening, and Marco, if we can adjust this, I am getting a huge echo up here, uh, is that uh, someone came to me and said, hey, I want to make sure I get my one-day sticker early because they're going to wear it at work more than one day because they want other coworkers to get involved in working one day uh, so really they can help change uh, someone else's every day. Now, to me, that's igniting change in hundreds who will ignite change in thousands. So this is the second year we've done this. And so if, uh, if, you've, if you did it last year, I want you to be part of it again this year. But want you now to, to wear it proudly, your stickers, so that you can get other people involved in uh, what God is doing through Convoy of Hope. So uh, you'll hear more about it in the upcoming uh, weeks as we're just going to make it a constant emphasis. But I just uh, get excited this time of every year. Because here's the thing, in the Van Proyen household, we actually prepare for the month of November because this is not a matter of just saying instead of tithing, we're giving here. Now, we, we still tithe. We still do our missions because Chris and I do significant amount in giving and missions every year. But above and beyond that, we want to work one day to change somebody's every day. And so I pray that you'll be a part of that as well. Uh, you, of course, you heard it on the thing. You can, you can uh, put it on the app or you can text and let us know. We'll make sure to get you a sticker and everything you need. In fact, next week, we'll uh, make sure that every row, not every seat, but every row has one of our One Day to Feed the World uh, giving envelopes if you want to give uh, in person. You can also do it online as well. So take your Bibles with me and open uh, with me to Mark chapter 12. Last week, of course, we started a series of messages simply called We Are Together. That phrase, we are together, is, uh, has its origin actually in Kenya. Uh, you may not realize this, but there are 56 million people in Kenya. And of those 56 million people, there are a little over 40 different tribes that are represented. And of the 40 different tribes, there are sub-tribes of those tribes. And the phrase really became prominent in 2002 as the then elected president of Kenya used it, uh, a common phrase that was known throughout the country, to unite the entire country. And so when we, we've uh, kind of set this up last week, if you're not with us, of course, you can go online and watch it. But our whole serious connect comes around this reality is that we follow a God who desires unity where we can honestly say at whatever level, whether it's two of us or 2,000 of us or 2 million of us or whoever, however many is going to be in heaven, that we are truly together. 
So we started in John chapter 17. Of course, this is Jesus' heart. His desire is that uh, in prayer, he said that, that we would be one even as our heavenly Father is one. And I think there, it's, a, it's a timely sermon series because we're entering into the holidays. You know, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. They've already started throwing Christmas stuff up. In fact, somebody even told me they're going to decorate for Christmas uh, today. Bless their heart. But part of the reality is, is that we connect more during the holidays than at any other time of the year. And there are actually a lot of different environments in which we connect with people. And so regardless of the environment in which we connect with people, you have to get this, the God that we follow desires unity. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like at some of, some of your uh, Thanksgiving dinners, but God desires unity. And so there's this, this part of us that needs to be moving that direction. And a big part of unity is simply love. And that's where we get in Mark chapter 12. Uh, it, you don't have to be in Scripture long before you recognize the Scripture, because even people who've never been in the Bible understand this, this passage. Uh, Jesus says this. He says, the most important, he's being asked what the most, most important law is. He says, what the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so here's where ultimately I, that, that this scripture really comes around and it's our connect today. And it's simply this, is that loving God results in loving others. Loving God results in loving others. Another way of saying the very same thing is that if we love God the most, we will love people the best. If we love God the most, we're going to love people the best. And that's true in your marriage. It's true in your family. It's true in the workplace. It's true in the, in the church. When it comes to love and the ability to love, God's intent was ultimately that we, we learn love and we grow in love within the context of a family. But because, because family has been fractured about going all the way back to Adam and Eve, family oftentimes doesn't teach us what love is in the greatest sense. So what did God do in his infinite wisdom? He gave us the church to teach us all about the church. Because the church, whether you recognize it or not, you notice I didn't say Bethel, I said the church is made up of difficult people mean-spirited people, unkind people, contentious people, unreasonable people, political people, greedy people, angry people, cantankerous people. But it's also filled with agreeable, sweet, sweet-spirited, giving, kind, compassionate, thoughtful, encouraging, loving people. Because the church ultimately, as one person said, is it's, it's made up of horns and halos, personalities and perspectives, and histories and habits. An unknown author said this, he said, to live above with the saints we love, oh, that, that will be glory. To live below with saints, well, we know, well, that's another story. Christianity is both spiritual and social. Christianity is both spiritual 
and social. Now, there are some people, they make Christianity to be all spiritual, and they don't think there's no social component to it. I'll live my Christianity, you go live your Christianity. We're not going to connect. I connect with God best in the woods, by myself. It's all spiritual. But then there are people in Christianity where it's all social. They come to church, they get involved in the body of Christ because they, they like the relationships, it gives them a platform, it's about them. You know, you, you tend to start talking to a person like this, you find out it's, a, you go, well, it's enough about me, let me talk some more about me. But here's the principle of the verse that Jesus gave. It's simply this, is that when we have a social problem, we turn to the spiritual so that we might then turn back to the social problem and unite. So let me say that again. Now, just think about whatever relationship you're in. It could be marriage, it could be friendship, it could be work, it could be, it could be church. If you have a social problem, and if, if you have any sense of pride in you, and since you're alive, you do, the problem is not you. It's never you. It's always them. And so you're like, Lord, how do I fix them? But you can't do that while looking at them. You turn back to God, and when you turn back to them, there's something different. There's a change that actually takes place. So whether the person is an angry person, you turn back to a kind God. Or if the person is a political person, you turn back to the King of Kings. Now get this. I, I, did, I challenged some of you last week. There are some of you that are more concerned about changing somebody's political view than you are where they're going to spend eternity. And as we come to the November, please, please, please keep that in perspective. If you have any ounce of love for God and for your pastor, keep that in perspective. Because when you love God the most, you will love others the best. Because there is a transformation that actually takes place when you are looking to, looking at, in relationship with the God, now get this, who is at the center of the universe. And at the center of the universe, lives in relationship in perfect harmony. So whenever we look to him and we look at him and we look for him, we're able to look back at the relationships and things are different. Which really brings us to the grow piece because our experience changes our expression. And our experience is our experience with God. It's in this place with God that exchanges our expression of love in the social setting. Say amen if you got that. What does that look like? Well, when I love God with my whole heart, my heart becomes his heart. And so at the very beginning, you know, we sang, by the way, the last song we sang, I told the bill this before. The last song we sang in worship, you know, as we were singing together, is my least favorite of all songs of all times. I don't like that song. For whatever reason, you can, you can, don't, you know, some of you are going, oh, Rich has a problem. It's okay. Turn to God. He'll help you there. But, but here's the thing. Um, I, I realize, though, that the words of that 
are very profound in that when we, when we turn to God and we love him with our whole heart, his heart becomes our heart. But here's the beauty of it. All of a sudden, my heart that existed before, you know, the heart that was looking for love in all the wrong places. The love who, the, the heart that had to feel they had to do, has to do everything for everybody in order for somebody to love them. Okay, I had this conversation uh, here this week with a, with a person. It was simply this, is that it, before, before marriage, when you talk about sex, the guys, they will give love to get sex, and girls will give sex to get love because the heart's wrong. But when you, when you look to God, when you begin to love God with your whole heart, he gives you his heart. And in giving you his heart, now you begin to love what he loves. You begin to value what he values. And as I begin to value what he values, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I am taken out of the equation. Because where in that scripture that we just read, was it all about you? It isn't. It's about loving God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbor as, our, as myself, or as myself. Well, how can I do that? Well, you got to have, you have to love yourself at some point. And so when I give, and I start looking at God, and I begin to love God with all my heart, my soul, my strength, all of a sudden his heart becomes my heart. And now no longer it is, am I concerned with who I am. I begin to live like someone who belongs to somebody. In other words, it's no longer who I am, but whose I am. Now, all of a sudden, I'm not out looking for affirmation because affirmation is being given by the one that I absolutely love. And in, in, in all cultures all around the world, here's, here's what happens. Because of our fracturedness, because of our, of our heart that is not God's heart, then what we do is we love things and we use people. Let me say that again. Because our heart is not God's heart, we love things and we use people. When in fact, I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and, and all, of a sudden, all of a sudden I start recognizing that God values people because they are the highest order of his creation. I then go, wait a minute. Lord, I don't know how to love this person. This person, I think there's a book called uh, how, to, how to Hug a Porcupine. And, and, it, and it's, about, it's about people who, who live their life with just all the quills of a, of a porcupine extended, and yet we are called to love them. Uh, it's difficult to hug a porcupine. In our house, Clarissa and I, we, we, we talk sometimes about people, and there are just some people in our lives, they're EGRs, extra grace required. But the only way I can extend grace is when I first look and receive grace. Because our experience, ultimately, it changes our expression. But now watch this. As I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and, I, and I'm looking here, all of a sudden, God's eyes become my eyes. I begin to see things differently. The things that I saw one way before, all of a sudden, it begins to change. Why? Because God looks at humanity and doesn't see all the different things that we see. He does, he, he, I mean, he sees them, but he doesn't really, he doesn't go there in, in his expression of love. And that would be anything from age to, to race to, you know, socioeconomic standard, whatever it is, God doesn't go there because he looks at all people this way. 
every person that he ever created, he created to live forever. And so every person, whether for God or against God, will live forever. And so he looks at the world as, as those who are living for God and those who are not living for God. And for those that are living for God, he enjoys the relationship and the growing experience and the ever-expanding heart from him to them. And for those that are not, he's seeking, he's drawing, he's reaching out to, he's caring. Because get this about your enemies, okay? And you can think about who your enemies are from, from the Russians to the Ukrainians to the Chinese to, to the Democrats to the Republicans to the Independents to whatever he is, your enemies. God has no problem with your enemies. You got no problems with them. Because he doesn't see the way we see. But when we are looking to him, when we are loving him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, then all of a sudden, the, the areas the enemy has caused division in, we begin to see a oneness. And we begin to see profoundly different. We see people who are lost. We see people who are broken. And even in their, in their lostness and even in their brokenness, we see it, still see them as incredibly precious. Because our experience changes our expression. When I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, do you know my feet begin to be his feet? Because I'm going to be walking in a direction that God would walk. I, I kind of felt, by the way, I didn't want to accuse me of being lazy, so I didn't do it. When Bill got up and said, here's your assignment for the week, just anoint yourself with oil six times during the week, I could have gone up, amen, let's go in the name of the Lord and do that. Because that was good enough. Because when you do that, you're saying that my feet, Lord, are no longer my own. I'm looking to you, and I am going to walk in the direction that you want me to walk. And that direction, and get this, is spiritual and social. Because ultimately, our experience, it changes our expression. Now I want to connect those who are disconnected, so I'm going to walk in that direction. And then there are going to be times that I'm going to want to unite those who are separated. Because I understand that my experience here changes my, my, um, my expression out there. When I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, my hands they become his hands. That's something, some of you need to catch this. It's very important. The Lord just spoke this so clear to me, clearly to me this morning. When we go to heaven, we are going to see hands that are marked. And they're marked with a love of service for you and I. I believe that while our marks will not have the scars of a nail, that when, when we look to the Lord and his hands become our hands, our hands become his hands, I should say, we end up getting marked with this kind of service. So that, now watch this, someone who is down, we don't just do a hand out, we do a hand up. So now we are united. Now we can say we are together. So we are constantly lifting up and serving and helping. How does this happen? Well, our experience, it changes 
our expression. Now, here's where all this stuff comes in, and, it, and it's the go piece. It's our, express, our experience, where our experience changes our expression, our expression grows in its expansion. Our expression grows in its expansion. So what I have, I have a lamp at this end, and at this end, I have a football. And in between, I have some items. And all of these items represent a place, an environment in which love can be expressed. And if I am loving the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, my experience will change my expression. But as I mature, my expression will grow in its expansion. It really comes from who I love at the lamp and what I love at the football. Now, let me explain this a little bit further. Let's, we're going to start at the fall. None of these are unspiritual. In fact, we're going to use them over a number of different weeks to illustrate some points. Uh, how many football fans do we have in the room? Uh, American football, to be clear for those in the room and online. Now, um, I couldn't get this aired up, but it is so... Um, how should I say, so representative of a flat football, not of the New England Patriots, although that's a story for a different day, but of my Arizona Cardinals just are flat. But if you go to a football game, uh, and I, you know, I really, I, I enjoy college football because I enjoy the fans of college football. And I, I watched the part of the, the Tennessee-Kentucky game yesterday, and, and I thought, man, those Tennessee uniforms that are Halloween orange and black really looked cool. And the fans, they look cool. And everyone in that stadium that was dressed in some form of orange uh, was not dressed because they were going out to clean along the roads or go hunting. They were dressed in orange because they love their team. And we all have environments where we come around something we love. You know, this, this very easily could be church. And not that that's even a bad thing. So many people that would come to Bethel on a regular basis would say, oh, we love our church. It's an environment where the center of love is around something exterior. And we are all pointing towards that. And here's the crazy thing. You do not have to be a follower of Jesus to experience this love. Okay, we'll come back to it. Okay, then we have a picnic basket. Now, I've never been, you know, the Hallmark Channel romantic guy that took Clarissa to a park with a picnic basket and a blanket, but I've been at plenty of picnics. And the thing about picnics is it's people coming around and loving on one another, doing something together. So here, it's, there's the, what's at the center is something we all love. This is what we love to do. And so people come together at various different levels. This, this, is a, this could be Thanksgiving dinner. We all love whatever we're cooking for thanks. By the way, one of the things, can I just do a rabbit trail? One of the things I love about Texas is that I don't feel obligated to have turkey on Thanksgiving. I just love that. 
but we all come together because we all love to do what? Eat. And in, in, in this expression of eating, there's love that is taking place. For some of you, that love is just not opening your mouth to uncle so-and-so's political views. For others, that love is you're in that kitchen the entire time making sure that everybody gets to enjoy what they're eating. It's an expression of love. And what you find is, is that this expression of love requires the least of the Lord. This expression of love requires a little bit of the expression of the Lord. And, and you may be good, you may be so-so or whatever at this level of expression. Don't remember. Now, our experience changes our expression. Our expression grows in its expansion. We love God and we love people, okay? It would be, it'd be easy for me to love Tennessee fans. Cowboy fans, maybe a little different. I'm kidding, just kidding, just a joke, just a joke. Here, here the relationships are getting a little bit closer. Maybe you're, you're, you have somebody on a softball team and your expression of love for them on the softball team uh, requires a little bit of work. These chairs, they represent the living room. This is a whole different dynamic of love that we experience. It's in the living room that we begin to really know a person. One of my uh, favorite books is one of my favorite books because I just so love the title. It's by John Hartberg. He wrote a book uh, called Everybody is Normal Until You Get to Know Them. It's a great book. I don't have to get to know people in the stadium. I can casually get to know people at the uh, picnic or the softball team or whatever that is. But when we get into the living room, that's when we find out that, well, they got some, that's kind of weird. Why would they do that? You know, we told our kids, the Van Proyen household, in our, in our living room, we've always been very expressive. Uh, we get mad at each other, and we would say it. We wouldn't hold it back. We didn't, we didn't harm one another, call each other names. I mean, the kids when they were younger, and we beat that out of them. But, but, but because, because we weren't the family, I won't go there. We weren't the family that took family pro takes family problems and sweeps it under the carpet. We don't do that. But what our kids didn't understand is that there are a lot of households that that's what they do. So when their friends would come over, we would have to help them to understand they don't understand this express expression of love, so you got to just tone that down. Because not everybody knows uh, what it's like to live in a, in a place where... Uh, there's an absence of fear because there's perfected love. And so, so in, in, in our house, and I, you know, we went to someone's house, and then Clarissa and I went, went, uh, went home, and this will be a public apology. They'll know who I'm talking about. We didn't even offer to take our shoes off into their house when we went into their house, and we went home going, that was rude of us. We should have offered to take our shoes. Because in our house, we just walk in the house with our shoes. And all of a sudden, they probably looked at us and went, those Americans, they just don't get it. It's here that love requires significantly more expression than here. And so I think that's, but yet, but yet there's not a complete safety in this expression. Think of it this way. 
Um, again, I love, I love our life groups. I love what God is doing. I'm excited in the direction that we're going in the area of our life groups. And life groups, uh, once you get to three, four, or five people, with every person beyond two, the level of safety drops. So there, there, there's, a, there's a level of transparency that you lose. So, so now, because, there, because again, the, you, not every person is a safe person. Not every person has love to the place where there is this absence of fear, so people keep their guard up. But there still is a level of transparency about our social part um, and our spiritual part that allows for growth. And so we encourage and we, you know, we hold one another accountable and keep people moving. But then at some point, you move to the coffee cup. The coffee cup is just you and one other person. And there are certainly some things that, uh, and in most things that I, when it comes to the coffee cup, it's Clarissa and I. But here's the reality and I'm really glad for this, Clarissa's not a man. So she doesn't understand man things. And I certainly don't understand girl things. After 32 years of marriage, I don't understand girl things. So it can't just be your spouse. There needs to be people in your life in this expression of love where you come around and there is transparency at every level of life. You, know, you might call that a mentor I may call it a, a really close friend, but it's here where love develops to the place where you can talk about anything. And you know that you can not only talk about anything and be safe, but also talk about anything and really be able to have someone look at you and go, you know, you're kind of wrong, or that's really good thinking. I really want to encourage you here do you know how utterly rare this is? To have someone who knows every part of your life. Now, whether you are the person that is initiating this kind of relationship, or you are the person that is needing this kind of relationship, it is fueled and found and discovered in this relationship. This relationship is the, the moments that I am turning to and looking toward and loving on the Almighty God. There is unity here. There is oneness here. It, it empowers me for every other relational context that I'm in. Now, there is a moment you'll need this for that. We'll get to that later. But I believe that what the Lord is saying to us today is that if we are growing from our experience into a greater form of expansion, then there needs to be people who can come to me and people that I can go to in this. And oftentimes, that's built off of this context. And so as, we are, as we're moving towards the holidays, you can survey your life, you can survey your experiences and go, where is this happening? Because wherever this is happening, there's opportunity for that. Because it's here that people discover you. Let me give you one other example. A couple that 
went to our church, invited us to dinner, and they wanted to take us to a restaurant. And so we go to a Cheddar's restaurant, and we are uh, sitting, waiting for our meal to get here, and we're having this great conversation back and forth. And the, the waiter or waitress, I don't remember which one it was, came with our food and dumped my entire plate on me. Now, there are things in life that um, really give an opportunity to show what that lamp life is like, okay? You know, for guys, if you've ever been working on your car in the cold and your uh, hand slips off the wrench and it hits the metal, there, you're, you're, the gate, the, the religious righteousness gate of your heart swings wide open. And whatever's in there is coming out right here. I didn't flinch when they dropped the food on me because accidents happen. I've done plenty of them. I don't, I don't look at a waiter as a waitress as my servant because I don't have the eyes that maybe other people's eyes have. But what happened out of that is the couple watched the reaction and it allowed for me with the husband to go to that relationship right there. But that only happens, that only happens when we are coming here and then turning there. We come here and we turn there, okay? Problems over there, right? But when we turn here, it changes our expression over there. And you grow in the expansion of that expression. And so I really believe that all of us find ourselves at different places. You maybe never thought of church as being all the way over here. But the fact is, is you can come, you can worship, you can say you love Jesus and leave without ever having any affinity, any connection, any kind of walking in any kind of unity with anybody else at church. That's why it's, this could easily be church. That's why we do things in church that kind of give opportunities for relationships to grow. But maybe you never thought of this as being an opportunity to lead a person to this. And the Lord wants to grow us in the expansion of the expression of love. Because love is the bonding agent of unity, of which the God that we serve desires in all of his people. And so, Lord, would you help us? Would you help us, Lord, to, to recognize that, Lord, you are a God that loves. And that, Lord, we want to, in fact, I, just with your eyes closed, I just want you in your, in, your, um, in your mind's eye, I want you to see yourself doing this with me. And that is in your mind's eye, I want you to turn and look toward the Lord. Look toward the God of heaven. Whatever, whatever picture of that is in your head, I want you to do that right now. And I want you, to, I want you just to, to just say to him, God, loving you results in me loving others. And just say that to him. Say it. Declare that belief. Loving you, God, results in me loving others. Now, Lord, at every level, Lord, you know where people need to grow in their experience. Now, Lord, I pray that the, there will be moments where they, uh, that each heart grows and literally grows from being their own heart to being your heart. For the person whose 
eyes are earthly eyes, that, Lord, you will give them an eternal perspective through your eyes. Lord, for the, for the feet that have been just kind of going in their own direction, Lord, they're now as they're looking to you, as they're saying, Lord, you're moving me to a deeper expression of relationships. Lord, I pray that, Lord, we would all be hands that have scars of service so that, Lord, we literally could uh, say that we ignited change in people. Lord, I believe that, Lord, you are moving us in that direction. But, Lord, I pray that over this next week, even as we anoint our heads with oil, that, Lord, you will help us to recognize each expression of love that we are stepping into. And as we recognize, Lord, you by your Spirit, I believe, will help us to recognize our areas of weakness so that, Lord, we can look to you and we can allow your strength to be what we rely on in our weakness. Lord, I believe that there are some that are going to have an opportunity to prove and to show that they love so that there will be an opportunity for ministry one-on-one in growth, in the expression of love, as we look at you, and then we look toward others. And so, Lord, I give you thanks for that and believe for wonderful things in your spirit, in Jesus' name. And if that prayer just resonated with you at any point, say a resounding amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.